it's commonly thought you can you can never know too much. Is that true? Today we're going to talk about the concept of overassessment. Can you have too much information about your clients? Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. All right, everybody. So this might be our shortest podcast, and that's with intention. We want to make a point that sometimes in working with our clients, there are certain things we do want to assess. No ifs, ands, buts about it. But then there's sometimes when we can overassess and almost trying to know too much about our client can get in the way of our present moment attunement to the process that's alive in the, with the client in front. If we know too much history, we can't go back and change history. We need to be attuned to the process happening in front of us. So that's what we want to lock in and key in on, not overassessing, but being attuned to the present moment in front of us. What would you say, Ray? I think it's a problem. I'm mindful of my very first day of EFD training. Um, I'd been working with couples for almost a decade. I'd been a teacher at a university. If you're one of my former students listening to this podcast, let me just say I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, caught, I taught couples therapy three times a year, like semester, summers, and everything. I taught way too much stuff. It wasn't entirely my fault. I was assigned to those things, but I taught like 16 models and interventions and strategies and the brain just can't hold that many things and be under pressure and do them. It's just impossible. We must find a way to reduce this. So my first day of EFT training, second day, really, I was at externship. I'm in New York. I'm, I'm working or I'm one of the participants with Sue Johnson. And, and what struck me really, really quickly was how powerful the live demonstration was and how little she did. Models in many ways are teaching you what not to focus on as much as it is what to do. And I think what we find is you can overassess. So if you work with a really distressed couple, for instance, and I know we're, we make application with families and individuals. I don't mean to leave that out. We don't mean to. But if you work with a really distressed couple for a year and a half and it goes well, and you run through all three stages, you know, a year and a half or six months, whatever it is, and they walk out and you give them a big hug and it's awesome. You know how much about their life you actually know? About two and a half percent. And I think sometimes as, as with, with sort of anxious therapists, we feel like we've got to assess everything. You really don't. And the reason we we're doing this episode is I had three events happen in the past week, all of which that had a similar theme. One was my case. And I, I'm looking at the case that I have right now that that's, I just don't feel quite as good about as others. And I start to go, why is that? They're great folks. I like them. Um, I feel good about where we're going, but there's a, there's a challenge. And, and one of it is there's a lot going on in this person's life. There's legal matters. There's really seven or eight different types of content that I really care about and that it, it kind of needs attention. And, but what I find is the more my brain starts to pay attention to this really, really broad context, the less I trust my own process. 
Then I supervised two cases, and it was the exact same thing. Like we had, we had over-assessed in a way, not necessarily on purpose. We just had too much information. It's the same reason why if you took some of your friends and, and you became their couples therapist, you wouldn't be very good because you know them too well, and, and your brain starts to notice too many variables. And, and it just competes with your ability to trust your own process. So when, you, when you're tempted to just get more and more and more and more background, what I would say is beware. You don't need that much most of the time. What do we need, James? What do you want to say about that? No, I like that. That's the, the question that was going in my mind to tune into what do we need? I do need to know the things that the way I frame it is I want to understand the things that help me understand how you dance in the world right now. That's the phrase I used to say to my clients in the assessment phase. It's not about to go back and figure out this person, that person, and this, this, and that. But I do need to know some of the significant things that have set up how you dance in the world right now. Um, and I'm just trying to get a general map. What do they do with their emotions when their emotions come up? When they're in places of distress, what do they do? You know, uh, how do they move in connection and relationship with other people? That's what I'm wanting to find out. And what are some significant, what I usually say when I go in and do live consults is, hey, where are the landmines? Maybe that's me being a good withdrawer asking that question. But I want to know what I'm saying landmines. What are the really explosive places of pain for this person? Is it around uh, experiences of racism? Is it around trauma? Is it around, um, I mean, so just so many, you know, bet uh, significant betrayals? I want to know what those significant areas are um, in, 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 in how they show up in the current dynamic. So how do they dance in the world? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, it's good. Um I don't want to do a whole podcast on all the all the tenets of assessment. That's it's a little basic for what we're doing today, but just some quick reminders. I do want to talk about the humanistic piece. It's good to put yourself in the shoes of your client. People's bodies come in in session one and maybe in session two, and there, there's just an amount of things like I've got to share this or I can't relax. Right, so I just say that. I took I did a new intake yesterday, and I'm just like, hey. Let's just take a minute, you know, 20, 20, 20 minutes here. I want to hear from each of you. Obviously, I can't get to know everything, but what do you need me to know so that you have a basic level that, that, I, that I get it? So go ahead. You know, and that's session one, and I'm not very directive in session one and two, and then that changes significantly for a lot of couples later. But what do you need me to know? So just trying to give their a, a humanistic way of being, an openness, um, and, and giving their body what they need to sort of, okay. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan sees it. I play with a different <laughs> idea. I had to make that noise because that was a good point. Ryan just said, catch that question. He just said, I'm playing with sound buttons, <laughs> but that was a good one. That's a good assessment question, Ryan. What is it a very basic level that you need me to know to, to, for you to sense that I get it. That's a, that's a, y'all, that's a question. Hold, write that one down. That's a great session one question. So anyway. All right, cool. And, and notice the language. I, I'm pretty intentional with my language there, and I'm not always, by the way. I, my, one of my downfalls, I just use way too many words. But in that one, I am being intentional. Because I didn't say, what do I need to know? What I said is, what do you need me to know? Just so you can relax. you know. And, and sometimes it's like, I don't want to say crazy stuff comes out. What I mean is, 
They need to tell me their personality type. They need to tell me their concerns. They need to just like, okay, just like vent it out for a minute, you know, and that's one piece. And then, but what I'm really listening for is what impacts safety and what impacts attachment. Mm. I've got to start listening for enough context that I can definitely get into the assembly, assembly meaning temp or appraisal theory, you know, Magda Arnold's piece, the, the danger cue, first appraisal being in the body and emotional, second appraisal being the meaning um, that people construct and then um, the, uh, the action tendencies or how they protect themselves. Like that's what my brain is starting to look for. Obviously, you're assessing for danger stuff. You're assessing for cultural marginalization factors because that all impacts attachment and attachment strategies. And that's what I'm about to get ready to work for for the next six months to a year is how can I get you to be more flexible with your attachment strategy so that you can not be alone in life. Mm -hmm. And what I also like about that question, particularly when you're early on in treatment and trying to get to know a client you as a therapist allow them to to give you as much as their vulnerability will tolerate. And I like the openness of it for that they get to determine what they want to go to yet. Right. So so for a minute, so I'm thinking yes on the cultural piece, they could go into thank you for asking that, because my religion is very important to me. They could go into you know, this is what I hear sometimes, you know, here we are as a black couple and you're a white therapist. So I need to know, like, if I talk about issues, they might not bring, but like issues of race could be something. Would that be all right to bring up in this treatment process? I really like the open endedness of that question and how it can deviate in so many different directions and how it's so honoring to put the client back in the authority role for a moment. What do you need me to know? And I like that you put an experiential point to that question too, Ryan, for you to sense that I get it. That's, that's very empowering. I don't know. I really like that question. I like what you said too there. Sometimes we, we love to talk about diversity and justice, but we only want to talk about the types of diversity and justice we like. We know what about the types you may not like? Mm -hmm. What if you're working with someone who's way more religious than you or way more conservative or way more some other direction? And I think that's always an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not always easy, yep, yep, yep. but always important. You know, let me just say two more points and we'll maybe move towards wrapping it up. I That's correct. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. It's, it's wintertime in Arkansas. Um, you know, on temp, right? Trigger, emotion and body. Uh, for the E, the M is the meaning and the P is the protective action. It's an oversimplified way to talk about assembly, but a good place to start. Remember this, your clients come in and we've said this before, preoccupied on M. They just want to M, 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 M like the candy. And they're hoping you'll step in there and tell them whose M is right and mediate. And we just got way too many M's going on. They're, they're excessive M's and then you mediating. And that's why most therapists would say, you know, I'd really rather work with individuals. I'm like, <laughs> yep, you get stuck in your client stories. You're not going to like doing couples therapy. Too much story, too much story, too much story, too much information. You know, if you ask me why I feel the way I do about my relationship, and my relationship's okay to good, I can talk for four years about why I feel the way I do about my relationship. And you only need about 
seven or eight sentences. You've got to cut into the story. You've got to expand it out of just a meaning into the full experience that's real and attachment oriented with vivid triggers, with emotions, and tying the pain to their action tendency on both sides. So a skilled therapist must know when to stop the assessment, stop looking for new information, and start to organize this in a different way. One thing I noticed, James, is when I work with the, the very best therapist, there's a, an exception or two to this, but as a rule, the very best therapist I know need way less information. They don't assess that long. They often don't use assessment instruments at all. You know, maybe in attachment history, maybe not. Most times they use a blank piece of paper <laughs> that they're going to throw away later. You know, yes, I know you need to document properly. Um, but here, here's one of the things that they'll say. They'll say things like this. I know I'm missing stuff, but I trust that it'll come up when it needs to. So if something is important about a client, and there's some exceptions to this, particularly social justice issues, but if there's something that's important about a client and they don't give it to me in the assessment, it will often come up in step three or step five. In other words, when I'm asking you to risk, if I've missed an important assessment questions, I'll find it because your body won't let you risk. And sometimes you sort of have to reintegrate this, this new in information that came forward, an affair four years ago that they just didn't mention in, in session one. And, and that's okay because you can, you can have death by assessment. Just so much information that you don't trust the process. And that's what we're talking about today. So 100%, y'all. What we're really trying to say here once again is more information that will not help you solve your client's problems. <laughs> that touched something for Ryan. Go ahead. <laughs> more money, more problems. <laughs> there you go. More information in and of itself will not. What is significant, though, is we do want to know what impacts safety, what impacts attachment, and we know those could be so varied. And we want our clients to tell us they are the authority on their life story. Don't ever take that from them, by the way. And so they'll let us know what impacts safety, what impacts attachment, and at least ask that general question that Ryan gave us today. What do you need me to know to sense that I get it? And guess what will happen? What, we, what we're really trying to empower you, this is the action point. We want you to be fully onboarded in the process with your clients open and curious, not to have your mind blocked with a lot of information. In a ro very Rogerian way, we want you to be fully present with the person in front of you is what we're really saying here. And as you do that, though, you'll get the information you need in that exact moment. And so we just want you to be able to trust that process. Thank you so much. And we held to it, right? This was our shortest podcast ever. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, RyanRainerTraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.